Hi, I'm Leonie Wizawadi. And I'm Amalia Cleland. And in this episode of Artist Statement, we will be talking to Mei Tao, a fashion photographer and director from New York City who is known for her crisp, bold, but playful style. She's worked with a variety of brands not limited to Cool, Warby Parker, Mango, and has also shot portraits of Michelle Obama, Jill Biden, Blake Lively, and more. It's funny, the reason I reached out to May was because a new Warby Parker store recently opened up on the corner of York Street in New Haven. I immediately thought of her daughter, Dashiell, who I actually went to middle school with. Dashiell occasionally modeled for Warby Parker ads. I was always in awe of Dashiell's cool and fun mom who worked in fashion. And when Amalia and I looked through her portfolios and Instagram posts, we were taken with her eye. Yeah, you also mentioned to me how she worked with Cameron Russell, the model and activist who gave a TED Talk that went viral in 2013 called Looks Aren't Everything. Trust me, I'm a model. You said that May brought Cameron to speak to your all-girls middle school, and it made me think about the complexities of the fashion industry. On one hand, it's regarded as a cutting-edge, fast-paced, creative, but cutthroat industry. Fashion can be championed as a mode of expression with the capability to have a political or social point of view. A more cynical line of thinking is that the modern fashion industry rarely breaks new ground, is a slave to consumerism, and tends to prey upon the insecurities of, in particular, young girls. When Cameron Russell changes out of her high heels and short dress into a long skirt and flats, she definitely changes the audience's expectations of her and points out that we make snap judgments based on presentation. You know, fashion is exciting because it's a mode of self-expression. Um, we can project messages about our identity through the clothes we wear. We use it to tell stories. In the same way, photography is also a medium of storytelling. Um, it's incredibly powerful, but it can also be dangerous as still images attempt to capture broader narratives or experiences. The ethics behind photography are complex, and I'm curious what May has to say about it. Yeah, especially given that she strives to keep inclusivity at the core of her work. She herself is Chinese and one of the few people of color in a predominantly white industry. Recently, she has done some incredible work on a project with Also Journal, which approaches fashion and photography through a female gaze. The publication describes itself as a place where we can discuss the achievements of creative women, regardless of what they look like, how old they are, or who they know. Women who are making things, shaping things, changing things. I think we were both really struck by this message, and I can't wait to ask May about it. Um, I was so excited to get to talk to you. Leonie was talking to me about, um, you know, when she was in school, she'd have like sleepovers with a friend and like her mom was this really cool fashion photographer and like I should look her up. And we ended up like scrolling through your Instagram account. And I think whenever we come across people who clearly have, you know, so much talent and have really like honed a skill, not only technically, but also in terms of like what stories they want to tell. And, you know, they have a message behind their work. It always, I think it always makes me wonder, like, what was that seed? What's the first time you started picking up a camera and messing around with it? And what did that feel like? And, you know, how did your interest develop? When I was a, a, a teenager, I just loved fashion magazines. You know, back in the days, we would like literally go to magazine store and quietly leaf through every single issue until they say, if you're not buying, please leave, right? <laughs> so I've just always loved, I love the fantasy. I love the beauty and I love the escape, right? 
And, um, and my, um, my dad have always encouraged us to, um, just enjoy the arts. Um, just always, you know, seeing just the subtleties in terms of the intention of the creator, you know, look at that bus stroke opposed to that application. Look how heavy that, that artist works in their medium, in terms of the application, the hand on it. So that was always kind of like swimming in my head, right? And then on top of that, he himself did photography as a hobby. So I applied uh, to Tisch School of the Arts, SVA, and Parsons School of Design. I picked Parsons because they allowed me to major in photography in my freshman year. And I, I really enjoyed it. My personality took to it. It was like, a perfect marriage of, um, for me, science and uh, art. I like imagined things as well as concrete things, if that makes sense. And I think photography service that. So I, I kind of like that, that the science aspect of it, the structure of it. And then as an artist, how do you utilize those ingredients and manipulate it to tell your story? Um, and I'm interested also because I think I really resonate with what you said about photography feeling like a science. I did quite a bit of film in uh, in high school, and I remember being in the dark room and kind of, you know, bathing these sheets of paper and yeah. all of these chemicals for a certain amount of times and learning how to burn and dodge and really, you know, create an image that I hadn't only you know, captured in the moment, but then got a lot of control over, you know, manipulating in the process of making it appear on the page. And that is also a really special process. Um, and I was wondering about your father, who I'm assuming also his hobby with photography was was film photography, right? Right. Um, how did he feel about you, you know, going into photography as a career, considering, you know, it had been a hobby of his and he's now watching his daughter take an interest? Couldn't be more against it. Could not be more oh. against it. <laughs> it's like, you have to understand, it's like, um, uh, we're in, immigrant to this country. So for us, it was always like practical, practical, practical. I guess like, you know, a doctor or a lawyer. And if you can't be that, how about an accountant? Because somebody's always going to need an accountant, a doctor or a lawyer, right? Mm. And and, you know, the idea is like, who needs another artist in this world? Who needs another photographer? In this world? <laughs> so, so it was, it was definitely, you know, done on my own. So it was not, it was not favored or encouraged. It was heavily discouraged, I would say for the first 10 years. Wow. <laughs> That's difficult. Yeah. That's interesting though, because you say that he also was a bit of like the genesis of your creative, maybe strain. But at the same yes. time, he pushed you back. So that's interesting. I want to circle back, though, to the idea of like science in photography, film photography. You have to engage with science because you're literally playing with chemicals and dipping things in and you can play with lighting and you can expose something twice or um, multiple times. But how in in digital photography do you feel like there is science as well? I was kinking and screaming into digital photography. I was probably That's like so people, people who held out. Like I held out because when I started shooting, I was shooting chrome film. Mm. Um, chrome, and that's even more specific. Like you have to know your light. You know how to, you have to know the, the, the character of your film, how to process it. You know how to, you have to know chemistry, how, you know, yeah. push one, pull, um, expose for, you know, uh, a shadow, you know, and clipping for highlights, you know, all those different things. And um, I, I, I met 
a digital uh, tech. His name is James Achui. He was the first person who literally explained the science of, you know, the, the software, right? That, mm. to, that was going to the lab, if you will. Mm -hmm. the, the one that I happen to use is at Capture One and uh, where you load in your raw, which is the, let's say like the negative, right? But it's, and then you reinterpreted the raw data into, let's say your favorite film, you know, like mine used to be Kodak Portra and I process it a certain way. So I was like, how is digital ever going to, because digital is square and um, film is in dots. Mm. And that's why film looks like film and digital look like digital. So because they are always edges, digital is, it feels like it's infinite. It's infinite. I mean, look mm. at the filters that, you know, mm, that right. could be put together. And then for my profession, it's really important to develop a, uh, a look that's yours. It wasn't fruitful for me to go, oh, today I'm going to shoot like this. Tomorrow I'm going to shoot like this. And I want that color and that color. That's that's me being an amateur, still testing. Right. And how exactly did you find your look and what do you describe your look as now? I think my my photos are more rooted in um, honesty. So I don't get too tricky. Just sunlight. Like, you know, from paintings that I like. It's uh, Vermeer. Mm. Um, I like directional light. I like things that feel like it comes from one source. I think that uh, nature is a very good way of looking at light. Like in the afternoon, uh, late afternoon, when you walk on um, West Side Highway, when the sun is setting and that light is bouncing into, you know, the glass buildings and how that comes back. I think that those are really good ways to kind of like, oh, I'm going to recreate that. Going back to my dad, because of uh, him having, you know, photography as a hobby and, and us just talking about and looking at things uh, in that way, that I've always had an affinity to understand light, if you will, like a head start on that, as well as composition, you know, because right. things kind of happen in, in this frame. The world is like 360, but photography and film is two-dimensional. It may it really clicked in my head for me when you were describing both the West Side Highway and Vermeer paintings. Like I feel like that, you know, evokes something very clear. No, totally. I think that I think what I'm kind of hearing from you is like you are trying to capture something pure and real and honest. But I think photography, because it's staged, because it's this two-dimensional thing that while the world is playing around, you know, the camera itself, it is a little bit like fantastical just in the way that it is created. How much creative freedom do you have when you are in a shoot? Because I'm assuming there's maybe like a creative director or there are people, you know, holding up the lights and there, there's communication happening behind the image itself. Are you the one, you know, kind of saying like, hey, could you do this pose? The brand has a DNA and he, they, they hire me in terms of my, how I see my aesthetics to interpret that DNA. In that, there's creative director who usually start out working with a, um, a concept, art deck, in terms of what they want to say. And then they pick the photographers that they best feel that would, you know, like for this season or for this particular project, let's try this person interpreting this idea. Then... From there, from there, uh, there's, you know, production involved in terms of casting, hair, makeup, um, stylists involved in shoots. 
And um, when I work with a company, oftentimes, especially U.S., it's very controlling. They would have a pool of like uh, models that, that they like already. Uh, they have a stylist that they use, like a small pool of stylists they usually work with. But oftentimes they will say, okay, this is the top five. Do you have any preference or experience that you've had? Maybe you've shot with them before that, you know, you want to um, have uh, input on. So, and then I usually have something in mind and I usually... Uh, then would talk to my first assistant who have been with me for over 10 years. Um, on set, I would have usually two assistants, lighting assistants working with me. And I usually, they're usually regular guys of mine. I, I, I happen to uh, feel and think that the people you surround yourself with, my team makes you better. The more that they contribute and have ownership in their responsibility, the better my picture becomes. Mm. So they're not just hands. They're, I always say they're artists themselves in terms of what they're responsible for and what they're contributing. Going back to, you say, oh, how is your set? I'm very inclusive. I, I am very collaborative. I like to involve people. So then back to the models, right? Models is like, you have new models and then you have experienced models mm -hmm. and then you have the superstars, right? That can just understand really. It's like, Oh, they're like silent actresses. I'm very big on like hand gestures or hair or like this, or like if your chin sticks out a little bit more, I'm very big on all of it. Like if the clothing over here, it's like slipping, the collar is not fixing, like center that I'm very big on seeing all of that. And then, and I think that, I mean, I, I'm very thankful for that. My dad training my eye in that way to like, just look for the subtle stuff. Don't take anything for granted. You know, I don't think models are mannequins. I don't, uh, when I'm shooting someone, uh, they're very much alive. And I think that their interpretation of what you have in mind um, is important. So it's, it's important to me that they understand my, what I want to do and to include them in it, opposed to shouting out orders. And then I guess I'm wondering a little bit about your thoughts about, you know, you've been involved in the fashion industry in a while, uh, for a while now. And I was wondering, um, as I just, you know, we chatted a little bit about this before, like in our email exchange, but I feel like the fashion industry, like there are two really strong, like popular narratives um, about what the fashion industry is. And on one hand, it is glamorized and kind of lauded for being this, um, this space where there's a lot of creativity and it's fast paced and it's cutting edge and there is ground broken. Um, and on the other hand, uh, there's a more cynical take where the fashion industry is kind of looked as, you know, a slave to consumerism and it is commercial and money-based and preys on, you know, particularly young girls' insecurities in order to make that money. Um, and I was wondering if you could talk about, from a personal perspective, um, what are some of the successes and failures of the fashion industry? When I started out working, since after assisting for uh, 
10 years, I was like, I want to make money. I need to pay back my student loan debt. I need to, you know, create an asset for myself, you know. So, so, so I kind of gravitated towards, you know, uh, photography that was like money-making, you know, like what people wanted to see, what people wanted to see. But it wasn't until uh, I had my daughter and I remember this one time we were uh, coming out of train station and then we were getting off the train and I think it was like a Sex and the City poster, um, the movie. And then she says, mommy, I think she was like maybe six, seven years old. I want to see that movie. And then I said, why? She goes, it's so beautiful. I literally, I was like, oh my God, all this time I was so you know, careful to police what visual came into my house. I made sure that there was diversity in terms of coloring, in terms of, you know, the dolls that she might have had and, and talking about our culture. So I thought I was doing a great job, you know, like, and then I just had to take her off the train and she sees this poster and she goes, mommy, I want, you know, I want to see that. <laughs> and then I, and then I said, oh gosh, I, I don't want to think that only that is beautiful. I mean, I, I'm Chinese. My husband is African-American. My daughter's biracial. So when she saw that and I saw, okay, this is for beautiful Caucasian ladies. I hope she doesn't think that's the only way beauty exists. You're absolutely right. How our, uh, how our industry has a very strong hold in the, uh, the visual that we create and how that it, they imprint on people in terms of their uh, understanding of themselves and then also the environment that they are that they're in and how they fit into it it's very subliminal that's why that's what I realized is very very subliminal then I it got me thinking also too in terms of sets that I'm on in that uh, that I am in and in terms of casting in terms of if you will the percentage of uh my my colleagues who I would you know work with right what did that what did that landscape look like in terms of casting, what did that landscape look like? So I, I, it, it got me thinking that, and then it got me thinking that how can how can that change, right? How can I how can I change it, right? So that the next generation of young ladies and young men can broaden, if you will, broaden in terms of that. And and when I say that not only diversity but also sizing I, I feel like sizing is is all it's it's a big big thing among the especially the young ladies and i think guys too um so and how do i how can i affect that about uh three four years ago i switched agencies and um my agency that represents me is a female owned right so I think that that's a rarity. And uh, she had asked me, she's like, what do you want to do? Where, where do you want to take this? And I said, I said, I, I would like to participate in projects that reflect more to what I want my daughter to see subliminally. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, and, and also in situations where I can affect the casting, I do, I speak up. Whereas let's say probably in the beginning of my career, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm just so happy to be here. Let's do, let's shoot it, mm. you know? When one of my questions was kind of about the intersection of fashion and activism, and I think you're kind of getting to that a little bit. Um, what's interesting to me about fashion is that it is so trend-based and it really has the ability to 
make people think about certain things and believe that certain things are beautiful um, because it's because it has such a power, um, which is kind of incredible. And I'm thinking a lot about how you worked with Cameron Russell, um, but how she like mobilized a group of models to think about activism and fashion and how that intersects. Um, and I guess my question is, how how have you engaged with that? Um, Cameron Russell was someone that I met on set and we, we got on, uh, we just got on really well because she's very spunky, really, really bright and smart. Do you remember, do you remember when she spoke? Of course, yeah, yeah. What, what, did, were you able to attend that one? Did you I remember? was, I was there. I remember it very well. It was not long after I had watched her TED Talk and I was really struck by her in person because she, yeah, I think you're so right. She was quite spunky and she was quite like excited and, and nervous and awkward and all over the place, but in a really wonderful way. Um, yeah, I she was so human, so, I think, which is uh, was crazy to me as like a 15 year old who saw fashion as something that was, you know, a perfect person with um the perfect hair and makeup and outfit. Um, we, you know, we all love that TED talk and it was really, really effective because she didn't only talk about it. She literally um, used her visual self, basically tell you, see what happened. I came out like this. All I did was this all of a sudden you're seeing me differently. And perhaps what's gonna come out of my mouth, you're gonna receive differently. I thought that that was what was even, and, and I think that it it's someone who understands the business in terms of the power of the imagery without even speaking yeah. a word mm. and really how that she can turn that. And I think that that's what made that TED talk so successful as well as people just remembering yeah. going, my God, I, I, I remember, I remember the effect, I remember, you know, what was, what was seen and what was said, you know, seen as well. Cause that's why usually they're talking. No, the it talk. was so smart. Cause it makes you not guilty, but it makes you feel the same effect, right? She's not just telling you that this is the effect that fashion has on people. She allows you to cast your judgment and then says like, I caught you, like you were yeah. thinking this. And that is really, really smart. What you said about guilty, that part of it, that's what a part where I'm saying that, you know, like, uh, as viewers, we can become lazy. And also as people working, you know, behind the lens in that, we can get lazy. We're not trying to scratch it more. My biggest thing is, for me, is representation. Growing up, looking at the magazines, I loved them, but I never saw myself in them. I mean, I remember when Cameron said, they were talking about, you know, um, female photographers. And then she had said, oh, you know, I can, you know, count in one hand how many female photographers I have uh, worked with in my career. And May being, you know, probably a person of color, one of the two that I've worked with. How do you expand when you have the same set of eyes looking at the same thing? Does that make sense what I'm saying? I don't know. It's like, it's, it's hard for me to just kind of like uh, talk about things like that when I feel that I have willingly participated in that vision for a long time too, you know? Um, what I try to do now is to create work and attach myself to projects that widens right. the gap. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I think that we're all, you know, culpable at some level of participating in a culture which promotes exclusivity. And, you know, we can't take that back. But I think making an effort to engage with projects that undo those effects are important. And it sounds like 
um, what's come through is you really put an emphasis on honesty and um, creativity and inclusivity. Leonie and I both were really, really struck by um, one of your projects recently, um, which was for Also Journal, shooting the model who I believe is called Marlo. Yes. Um, and uh, I think something that we like apart from the styling and the clothing being beautiful in themselves there was something about the shots as well which felt both um very like private and inviting and I think that's what um that you know when you mentioned that you like to participate in taking photographs that did welcome people in I was reminded of that shoot um you know there are a lot of shots in which the model uh, it feels like you've taken the photograph as the model has caught you looking at her. Um, and it's hard to tell sometimes whether that's with um, suspicion or curiosity. And I think that's what makes that shoot exciting. And we were wondering if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, the process of, uh, you know, picking to engage with that shoot, what it was like on set, what's the message behind it? Um, you know, tell us a little bit of the story. Um. Wow. Thank you. I, I quite enjoy that, that the shoot myself and I think that it's definitely stepping away a little bit I wouldn't say stepping away but just it allowed another facet of my work to exist because people know me as this kind of like happy animated photographer right if they want happy they want somebody just kind of engage you know get made which I I love to do but sometimes I'm quiet too so that allowed me to do that and what it was it was that was shot in um Stemsmere Estate it was a site where they shot uh, Clockwork Orange. That was oh. the neighborhood. So when I was there in uh, March, one of this, uh, Simone was also the founder of Fossil Journal. I met with her. We, we clicked. We just clicked, you know, like you vibe off of each other and said, okay, we'll work on something. I don't know if you saw the website of that um, platform, Female Gaze. You know, yeah, it's definitely totally. a certain aesthetics that you're not used to seeing women. And it has nothing to do, and there's a sensuality. It's, uh, there's a certain directness. There's a softness. And I just felt like that was something that, I, a, a place that I would like to participate. Yeah. And she, she said, okay, I'm going to give you my mood board of what I'm thinking and this location that I'm thinking. And, and what I saw from it was about perspective. You know, mm. like the big and the close. Right. And then perspective, not only just kind of seeing eye to eye to something, but really bird's eye view of something. Mm -hmm. um, and then also too, the idea of um, just compressing a body, you know, like th those are the things that I kind of saw in terms of really shifting the perspective. When I got there, I had time and she goes, let's scout. So we were able to kind of scout out the location and really kind of feel the space. And my, the idea was that I was come to a new place to be open to different people's aesthetics and work within that, right? And work with them. And then in terms of casting, we both agreed that we wanted someone that was not your normal, not your uh, uh, conventional beauty. And then in terms of like hair and makeup, we were kind of open. We didn't, because that was truly an editorial. It was just everybody contributing. And I really liked, um, I've always, always, always liked um, Sean Young in, um, oh my God, why is it escaping me? Oh, Blade Runner. Oh my God. I Blade can't Runner. even believe okay. oh, Blade Runner. Okay, okay. Oh my God. Okay. You know, oh, I can't even believe. I mean, like, 
you know, movies is another, definitely an uh, other um, uh, research places for photography, uh, mm. lighting, you know, ideas. So anyways, uh, her character, the android, you know, she had this hair um, that was kind of like an interpretation of actually mm. from the from the 40s, you know, like a futuristic interpretation of the 40s. Mm-hmm. So then I had that idea. Uh, of like, could we, you know, create something that's like that so that she feels like more like a, a character opposed to a model wearing clothes. Right. So Tommy, the, the, the hairdresser goes, okay, I got something in mind. Wow. It was, yeah. it was a really, really great shoot. We, it was beautiful. We you really enjoyed feel, it. Yeah. yeah. There's like, yeah, you could just feel there was emotion. It was melancholy, but also kind of serene. Like, uh, yeah, it just really struck both of us. Um, so thank you for sharing yeah. like that story. And I have to say, I think the perspective that you're talking about was so, so fascinating visually to me. Um, I remember that I think the last shot, which is on their webs on the also journal website, is where you're above taking a picture of her below, I think, a bridge or something. Um, and I for, I love that as an ending shot, especially looking through the series, but it just really captured right. me. Right. It feels like a stage exit. It does feel yeah. like a stage exit. Um, who are the photographers that you are most inspired by? Sally Mann. Sally Mann is a, a female photographer from the South. Uh, a book that she really made an impression on me when I was in, when I got into interest in photography was at 12 and mm-hmm. also in media family. Um, and she's a photographer that kind of always shot her family and the people around her and also uh, where she lived. So it's always very, 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 very personal. Okay. I'm sure Leonie and I's text chain in the next week is going to be like peppered <laughs> with like random shots we found from like Sally Man online. Um, and great. Our ending question is just, if we gave you a white t-shirt and black jeans, what's one crazy accessory that you would add? Ugly shoes. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> and what do you count as ugly shoes? Anything that's not dainty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anything like big and comfortable. I love nurse Clunky. shoes. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Really like, you know, have a thud as they hit the floor. Yeah, I definitely. I'm wearing shoes right now that I recently um, acquired and they make a really loud noise when I walk and I love it. <laughs> what is it? What'd you, what'd you get? There are these, <laughs> these rain boots. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love, I, cause I always think it's like, they're like literally, it plants you on the ground. Right? It totally just, does. Right. Yeah. It asserts my presence, which is important. <laughs> um, thank you so much. It was so wonderful to talk to you. We were so excited to get the chance to chat. Like, thank you for all of your time. interested in taking a look at the also journal photos we discussed in this episode take a look at our most recent post on the instagram at artist statement if you want to check out more of may she's tagged in our post and she also has a website coming out soon so stay posted thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time on artist statement